everybody. Uh, welcome to the show Off the Record. I'm Aram Mukumu, the host. Thank you so much for tuning in. On the show, I'm interviewing well-known CEOs and VCs about how to spend the money that you raise effectively and what mistakes to avoid. Uh, my guests have been in the trenches and have uh, lots of practical advice to share from company stories, failures, and successes with you. As a founder, you'll hear what you can do better when raising money and after you have raised the money as well, all in a 30-minute conversation. And if you happen to be a VC, you're also in the right spot, so you'll get to learn from your peers. Uh, this is episode number 13, and I'm joined by yet another great founder and CEO. Uh, Lucas Martinez is the co-founder and co-CEO of Talent.com, one of the fastest-growing employment websites in the world. Uh, they recently raised $53 million from CDPQ uh, in Quebec to accelerate growth and power expansion. They have more than 30 million job vacancies in 77 countries and have more than 5,000% growth in five years. Uh, Talent.com recently ranked 14th in Canadian Business Magazine's 2019 Growth 500. So really, really impressive stuff. Uh, Lucas, amazing uh, having you here with us today. Thank you so much for, for giving us some time today. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> um, hope I got that... Uh, bio about yourself and your company uh accurate yeah yeah that was perfect <laughs> sure we could awesome. we speak like for ages of everything we're doing but like as a quick intro that was that was great <laughs> cool cool wonderful um first question i have is kind of like a you know a personal one it's an icebreaker so to speak um you're you're from switzerland right if i'm not mistaken um, yeah i wanted to ask i mean how is your mentality different or similar to Canadians, because I know you're based in, in Canada right now. Let's um, <laughs> start there. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, when I read, when, when you ask this question, I'm like, huh, it's, it's a tricky one because I think Swiss and Canadians are very, very similar. Uh, you know, like we, we're very neutral people. We, uh, we, we, we hardworking people at the same time, humble. Um, you know, we don't, we don't like scream. Uh, we are the best all around, you know, so it's, it's, in, in that sense, even even in terms of you know uh, geography, you know like with an type of weather that we get, maybe it's not as cold here in anyway, in Switzerland, but you know like everyone skis and we're very outdoors country, uh, a lot of lakes everywhere. So I would say um, it's a very similar thing uh, being Swiss or Canadian. I think maybe two major things are very different uh, in entrepreneurship. Uh, the first one is uh, you know in Canada, the great thing that you have here, you know, like in North America, is that you have the U.S right next to you. Um, and when you think about scaling, um, you don't ask yourself too many questions. Like after Canada, it goes straight to the US. You don't have to translate anything. Um, everything's in English already. So you're just there in, in the biggest market in the world. And I think it's, it, makes, um, uh, it makes scaling a bit easier um, than being in Europe when you just need to, you know, uh, just, in, just in Switzerland, you need to think about four languages that you need to translate uh, in order for you to be competitive in, in Switzerland. And then you've got to scale you know, the first thing you think usually is to scale around Europe and not necessarily in the U.S. because of time zone. Um, so I would say that's that's the, the a, a major thing. Um, and then I would say in Switzerland, I think its advantage is because of the fact that we, you know, we we speak four languages. I mean, I, I personally do not speak four languages, but we have four four languages that mm -hmm. uh, that are, that, are, that are spoken in the country. Um, what it means is that we are very open to the world. Um, you know, and 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 you know, I think. In less than three hours, you are uh, more than five countries next to you. You know, so it's 
uh, I think, you know, like we're very good at, um, at, uh, at, you know, like when we have to scale, we're very good at localization, you know, like getting to know the, the cultural differences uh, in all those countries because we have to do it here in our own country. Whereas here yeah. in Canada, you know, like it's you know, here in Montreal that you don't have, you know, it's, it's, you have to drive quite a, quite a fair bit to, uh, to, uh, to see different cultures and uh, everything is far away when we're dispersed. So, I think these are these are two, uh, you know, one advantage on the one side, one advantage on the other side. But overall, I think two uh, two uh, two great countries to uh, to be born and to be raised um, because the education system and I think um, both provide great great opportunities for uh, for for its citizen. Nice, nice. Yeah, thank you. Um, next question I have is um, I noticed. I mean, I know that you know at town.com you you're a co-CEO. Um, I've seen it work magically and I've seen, you know, in different settings, it doesn't work. Uh, I wanted to get kind of maybe quickly your, your, the way that you've structured your relationship with your other co-CEO in terms of like decision-making, especially you went through this large fundraising process recently. Like what is that dynamic like for you? Yeah. So, um, so, so, so we are actually uh, three co-CEOs uh, from, from, from day one. Wow. Uh, so the, the, the story is with, with three very good friends uh, and the story starts actually in Switzerland. So that's, that's how we, that's how we, that's how we've done it. Um, and, you know, we, we always, always have been very collegial about uh, how we make decisions. And we think that, you know, having, two co-CEOs actually worse than having three in our opinion, because, you know, you always have a tiebreaker. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think that's what's, what, what's great. And what we do here is that we have very defined areas of expertise and in the very defined areas of what, what, what are we, what we are in charge. Um, and that's how it works. Then obviously the way it works is that you need to, you need to make sure that you, you, you speak your mind. So there is a lot of, I would say so-called fights, you know, where we always, um, you know, always, uh, always discussing things that we do not agree with. Um, but at the end of the day, that's the only way it works. You know, there is, there is no magic bullet here. It's about really like getting along, uh, fight, fight for ideas, respect each other, know our boundaries, um, and it actually works. So you, what we do is, you know, when we really disagree on something, it's about, you know, like if someone has a, a veto, you know, like it's say no, that's. Un- no, I really don't want it. Like a bit like the UN style. Well, we'll if, if it's that close to your heart, you know, that you have to use your, a, a veto, well, you know, we will listen to it. But so far in, in 10 years now, we haven't used it. Um, wow. So far, it's really usual. Usually the way it works is that um, um, one has a, has, a, has, a, has, a, has a very strong opinion, a very strong vision. Um, and one is kind of against and then the other, the third one has not necessarily a strong opinion. Um, and that's how we move forward. So it's 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 great for checks and balances here. It's we really work like um, like you know like like a parliament. And uh, and I think that um, it's been working so far. And uh, I think there's no other reason there's no reason why we, it shouldn't uh, keep on working. It. No, it's great. I mean, if it works, it works. That's fantastic to uh, to know. And I mean, we're still friends after ten years. We're still very close friends. <laughs> that's that's the important part. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but Crowdlinker initially. Uh, first three years we had two co-CEOs uh, for us it didn't work but uh, we kept clashing and didn't work but uh, I'm really happy to hear that you know how you've structured it it's great I mean as long as you can stay friends uh, and business partners at the same time it's 
it is magical at the end of the day, yeah. having three partners at the, at that same level. Um, cool. I want to jump into some questions about like the fundraising process that you went sure. through. So like, I know you've, you know, you raised the, you know, different stages of funding now. And like your most recent one was, was quite significant for 53 million. Um, what was that like? Like uh, it must've been a lot of stress, anxiety, kind of going through that process. It is a sizable amount. So like, I don't know if there was more pressure than usual, you know, compared to a previous round that you went through. What was it like for you personally and kind of how did you deal with it? Yeah, so I think there was, um, uh, you know, we've been for, for a very long time, we've been a, a profitable company. We raised a, a, first, um, uh, a first round quite a few, a few years ago, already in 2012. And you know, since then we, we kind of remained profitable and we really needed, didn't really need anything um, in terms of cash. So we were actually growing year on year and doubling our revenues um, despite being profitable. So that was, that, that's why we, really, we didn't need to go in, uh, in the market. But um, I think at some point also our business agents wanted to see the, the color of their money that they invested, um, which was uh, extremely fair. Um, and what happened at that point is that we, 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 we started a process uh, so we, we, we had investment bankers that helped us to create a process and, and, and that's when we started to mostly meet, um, you know, uh, different funds, um, private equity VCs, uh, pension funds, obviously, um, throughout, mostly throughout North America. Um, and, and yeah, I think the, 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 the process has been, I, I think it's been really, we were really anxious in a sense because, you know, you, you think it's going to, a process is going to take three months. Um, but it took a, it took a year. Um, so we, from the moment we decided that we were going to do it on scale, we actually closed it to approximately a year. Um, and obviously they, it takes away a lot of, a lot of your attention and time in the, on the business. And the luck we have is that we're three co-CEOs. So, you know, like we, one can spend a bit more time, uh, on one thing and the other can spend a bit more time on the other. So we never really felt that, um, that, 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 you know, we lost track of what we're doing uh, business-wise. So that we were lucky in that sense. But the reality is that because we've been, um, you know, like we, we were really, um, like they, they, we just had one round before, one business angel round. So we were not, you know, um, we, despite having, you know, I would say high revenues for, for a startup, I think when we started this process, it must have been around like 40 or 50 million run rate. Um, and, um, we, we were really not that professionalized, you know, in terms of, uh, structure, in terms of finance, in terms of legal. Um, so we, it, it was a hurdle, you know, because we had to do everything ourselves. Uh, we have a legal counsel and external legal counsel, but we had no one internally. Um, and, and, and finance, uh, we didn't have any, you know, uh, had a finance there. So, um, it was, uh, it was the other co-founder who was the, the VP of finance and I was helping there as well. Um, so. So that's, I would say that was a bit, um, that was a bit tough because we were most of the time um, with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with the investment bankers spending an awful amount of time just providing documents, providing, you know, like, uh, like any numbers that they were asking us and, and uh, you know, name it, everything. So um, that, that took a long time. Um, and, you know, just, not just, you know, like we really had to spend time like having our investment bankers understand, you know, like, what, what, what were we doing? How, how, you know, how does our business work? How was our value proposition, and and so forth, and so on, and so on, and so forth. And 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 I'd say that you know, if you don't, you need to you need to 
get investment bankers that get it from day one um, and that, that, that know you in industry. And, you know, and that, that obviously helped us um, to, to get someone that really that, that understood us, but it took some time as well, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, they were like, became experts in what we were doing. Um, but it takes time to get them understanding what you're doing so that they can communicate well in the process because they do all the communication with the different uh, um, investment companies here. So um, just that and plus then the fact that, yeah, you know, like we, you still don't know, you know, you receive the first time, first round, you receive offers, um, but then they drop and then others come um, and, you know, like valuation switches from, from one, from like super low to super high all the time. Um, you know, it's it, it, until we really got something signed at the end, uh, we were not, uh, we, we were very anxious. So we, we were lucky that, you know, we, we, you know, we, we had the three of us, you know, like I think sometimes the journey as an entrepreneur uh, can be yeah. very lonely um, because you, 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 you face, you face um, problems and, 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 and you know, situations that no one can, that, that you know can, uh, understand um, and can you know relate to um, so there is no comparables many uh, many times and I think that just the fact that we were the, the, the three of us together in this and that we could you know you know talk to each other and help each other throughout the process helped tremendously well, it's um <clears throat> it's a very laborious process going through a fundraising exercise like that what what was kind of like your biggest takeaway, like lessons learned? I don't know, like whether it's getting the documentation and you know in, in order in advance, or you know having the right type of counsel in place, or like having the right type of partner. Like, what what can you share in terms of like something you could pass down to another founder who's going to be going through a process like that? That you like, okay, here are like the three four things you should like definitely have checked off before yeah. you go you know through a process like this. Um, I mean, I think the, the, the answer can be different for everyone. It really depends on your strength as a founder and what you're good at um, and where you think you can be better in a, in a process like this and, and what you can't. But um, I think in our, in our case, I think organization was probably a weakness. Like being, having, being better at communicating our numbers, being, you know, like being better at communicating what we were doing, um, just being better at having material um, ready, you know, like um, being ready to have a strong message, uh, um, you know, that, that that investors could really understand. Uh, um, and not only that, but really your investment bankers, because if you have investment bankers, like they're the ones who do all the, all the sales for you. And th these are the people that really need to understand your business and, and your vision. Um, so I think um, I, I, I would say being more prepared uh, would have in, in terms of operations, you know, like, well, okay, now we start and, you know, we, we have the right people in place uh, would have helped tremendously. But yet again, you know, like we didn't have the resources to have all of this. So there is no silver bullets, you know, like um, if, you, if you're lucky enough that you, you have all of this in place, uh, that's great. Um, what we had was a business that was working, um, you know, like um, already profitable revenue. So we had good, we had good leverage and growth. Um, yeah. but, 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 they, but we were extremely lean. So yeah, the operations were definitely not something that we were investing as much as we are, as we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I've never been through a process like at that scale, but, um, when you were planning the, uh, the raise and you were working with your investment bankers and obviously the institution that you raised the money from, how much 
time, attention, focus was dedicated towards like the allocation of the spend. Um, <clears throat> like, was that kind of uh, a game plan that was set uh, at the time of uh, of the fundraising process, or mm -hmm. did it come like after like the deal was was signed? Like, mm -hmm. how much how much detail or uh, focus was spent on something like that? I think it it really depends on on the stage you're on as a company, because I think investors understand that, you know, like the, the, the less mature you are as a company, I mean, you can come with a plan, but this plan will, could actually deviate Change, quite, yeah. uh, quite a bit, right? So um, I think we were lucky enough that um, we, we had investors that um, understood that um, we, 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 we had a plan, but that, just, and, 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 but at the same time, despite despite already a, uh, like a big size, I would say, uh, we were probably not as detailed in, in that, okay, we're gonna do this or that. You know, we said, okay, we were, we knew where, 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 where this was going to go, but it wasn't, you know, as, as clear as it could be today. You know, now that we have these investors with us and, and we understand in case of the next round um, in the future, we understand how much more precise we'll have to be, but we also have more maturity and we also can predict a bit better than we used to before it was, you know, when you're smaller, it's always on a month to month, you know, it's a, no. you, you wish you could predict for two years or a year yeah. or three years, but the reality it's tough. So you got you, you do your best, but um, it's, it's really up to the investors to understand um, um, they, like to really get what they, what's in the, the, the founder's mind. And if, if they think they're able to, even if they're not going to execute on the plan exactly, are they nimble enough to actually deviate and make it work? Um, and I think I think that's how our investors understood that with us, you know, from day one that you know like we were made a plan, but the goal was really to you know like we were we were not shy to change this plan. Um, and it yeah. can at, at a certain level, if we were to do that same thing today. I think it would scare off a few investors because that it wouldn't look like we know exactly where we're heading, but what we were at the time, I think it makes sense. So I, I hope it answers your question, but like that's, mm -hmm. that's the, that's the, the overall uh, thinking process I went through at least. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's interesting for, for me to hear that because <clears throat> even some larger corporations, like, you know, they go, quarter by quarter like it's very hard to predict like a one year spend or two years right um did with the council if i if i remember correctly you, you, you said also that the legal council that you had helped structure some of like the terms of the deal or like yeah. the composition of like the um, uh the organization or, or whatnot like how how much how much importance and uh attention uh did that um give to the the benefit of like the whole deal at the end of the day yeah so i mean i mean the two councils talk to each other um you know once you start to you know at the end of the process you start to agree like it's there's an entire new process that starts and that's just a legal process to make sure that everything you said um and that every single and that also that every single investor is protected and all those things so I mean, you cannot at this at this level. You can't do it without a legal counsel. I mean, that it's paramount. You just cannot. Yeah. Otherwise, it's you need lawyers and lawyers and lawyers, and, and and it's expensive. But 
you got to protect yourself. Your investors have to protect themselves, and there is no other way. So, uh, well, we were lucky enough to have uh, great lawyers. Uh, we used Library and Associates here in Canada, uh, which have been tremendously helpful throughout throughout you know throughout the stage. We started to work with them already. You know, uh, like when we were extremely small, and they kept, yeah. they work with us while growing, and you know, and 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 we're still working with them now. But like. Yeah, if you, I mean, no matter what, even if you have a, a your own legal counsel, you will need external help because there is there is there are so many components, you know, as in a deal like this that come into play, um, and 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 you, you need you need this help, sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, talk about the company a bit. Um, you know, I, I think at one point you realized that you didn't really have much competition uh, with. With, with the with the business in, in Quebec uh, you guys were like the market leaders um, and then uh, you know when you started thinking about expansion at what point did you uh, did you realize that you can be like the second largest um, job job platform uh, after indeed yeah so when we originally started when uh, when we uh, my, my two uh, my you know my two we were three co-founders and as I said and you know two of us, moved from Europe to, uh, to Montreal at the time, one was from here. Um, and I think that that was always kind of the goal, you know, like maybe it was a, a, a far away dream to be like, you know, a global leader in the job space. Uh, none of us had experience there. Uh, when we started, you know, traditional job sites um, were extremely um, strong still, you know, like in Canada, like Ocopolis or Info, Info Jobs in Spain or, you know, like Monster in the US. So, those guys were um, still very strong in local and, and had local presence, very strong local presence. But like, as far as aggregators were concerned, just, there was just pretty much Indeed and Simply Hire that were like, you know, uh, starting to slowly dominate the game um, in terms of traffic, candidate traffic, but not necessarily in terms of revenues. Um, and it's only after two or three years that Indeed really became a market leader um, and and got sold actually. And 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 and. and I think it's probably in 2012, 2013, when we really learned how to scale uh, globally. And we saw that traffic was actually doubling year on year. And you know, when you double small numbers, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, you're like, it's cute. But the reality is like, if you keep on doubling, it can very fast become uh, very big. Right. And, yeah. and that's what we realized very early, early on. Um, I think the fact that we're also very far away from, you know, like the spotlights in the U S and you know, like we were just like this Montreal based, you know, French-based company here in Quebec, uh, really kind of, you know, it's, it's a curse, but at the same time, it helps you because um, you, 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 we had to be profitable. We didn't raise enough money to just like be burning and we, we had to be profitable. So from day one, we were just, you know, biking and looking down and bike and bike and, and you know, bike this mountain as high as we could. So um, we, we let some players along the way on the road um, to become now one of the largest job sites in the world. Um, we have inside to really uh, now to become a, a, a strong number two in terms, uh, not only in terms of traffic that we are today, but also in terms of revenues. Uh, and that's what we're working on now. Um, but I think pretty, pretty early on, we realized that, that, and our dream was that, you know, like it was, okay, we scale around the world. Uh, why would you, in 2012, when you make $50,000 of, of uh, maybe not $200,000 of revenue in 2012, why would you translate your website in Arabic, you know, for the Middle East, you know, and, and, and it was always with the goal of becoming that, that, that very strong player all around the world. And mm -hmm. so once we learned how to scale, we knew like that, that's what we wanted to do. 
what did you uh when you came to this kind of realization and you you know you you knew you wanted to be like the second largest one in the world what did you change uh in your operations or strategy to help you scale i don't think we we change anything i think it's been a learning process because as far as you know we three co-founders and and the three of us none of us came from the industry um we all came and trial and error basically you know like one learn how to code by reading books i came to canada and calling retailers thinking they were banks because i'm the original sales guy here um and you know and, and 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 that's how we that's that's how we started you know that's 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 always so i would say that there's been different aha moments you know the the, the moment where we learn how to scale um the moment where you know in terms of content like all around the world the, the moment where we learn how to monetize, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we realize, you know, I tried so many different business models, but I, I realized that it was only going to work if we were going to make money while we were sleeping. Um, and that was pay-per-click advertising, right? Um, and once we started, we switched to a pay-per-click advertising model. Um, that's when we really started to, to, to grow extremely fast. So that was a, another ha-ha moment. So it wasn't conditioned by, okay, we can be number two. It was more like, okay, so we learned that. And then we learned how to generate more traffic on the website and have more return visitors. Oh, and at scale. And it was like, oh, okay, now we, we know how to bring results to clients. How do, we, how, do we, how do we make sure that they're happy? Okay, so it's not that easy to make sure they're happy, you know, like tricking conversions and all those things to make sure that all the candidates that we received were, were good enough, right? So, um, so that's that's the process that we went through really, and I think every 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 year over two years we have a new haha that really propel us um, to a new heights. And the reality is, once you reach good numbers, uh, and we have you have a lot of traffic, we have around eighty million, eighty five million uh, visitors per month on our on our on our website worldwide. Um, you know what? Then you the, the little tweaks you make can really have a huge impact on 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 your growth. Um, so so yeah, that's uh, that's. That's how we see it. That's very interesting. Uh, that's, that's crazy numbers. 80, 85 million visitors a month. I, uh, that's really impressive. Great work on that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I wanted to ask, um, you kind of touched upon this earlier. You were saying that, you know, when you raised your initial funding from some angels, um, they want to start seeing the green, right? <laughs> In terms of the return on investment. Um, now you have this like larger institutional uh, back there as well. How do you kind of balance the dynamic between kind of staying private versus considering or looking at the requests of the investors that you have right now in terms of like getting you IPO ready uh, versus staying as like a startup, um, yeah. and, you know, keeping things lean and uh, or whatnot. Um, how do you, how do you manage that? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think that the, one, one we brought, you know, um, VCs, you know, when we, we realized, okay, so now it's just not us and like what we want. It's also about other people and, and what, you know, they desire about this setting. But the reality is that they've, they've been extremely, extremely uh, patient with us, you know, in the sense that what, what do you guys want to do? You know, so we will follow. Um, and, and that is very reassuring, you know, when you start working with people that tell you something like this. The case has been very, very helpful in that sense. And what we told them is that we wanted to, you know, 
I, I like to say professionalize the company because we know that, you know, at some point, you know, there is so much you can do, you know, like um, some point we struggled to ship code because um, it was, it, you know, we were, we were growing too large, but we had no processes. We had everyone coding one way or the other and nothing was actually shipping. So that's when we moved to Agile, you know, and that's, that's when also when we had, um, you know, a, a help on finance and, you know, bumping our finance efforts, like having a BP finance now, a CFO, uh, you know, and, and legal people and, and, um, and the office as well now, you know, so all those things, I think uh, we were not very used to, we were not very uh, experienced in doing, but we knew that they were, they, they were needed. And I think just bringing in, um, uh, you know, in, an institution investor would, would, will help us in the, on the front. So they, they kind of guided us, you know, they, you know, they know our strength and they don't bother us on our strength. You know, they are, it's a bit like, you know, like you're a tennis player and you're they're a professional tennis player and they are your coach and they're like, okay, this guy, uh, this guy is amazing at, 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 at serving. Backhand is amazing, but forehand, mm, so, so, and everyone knows it, right? So what they, what they hear is to, to help you being better at your forehand. And so they, they kind of analyze where you, what, what you're good at, where you're bad at. They let you go on what you're good at, and then they, they, they push your, your weaknesses. And I think we all were aware of our weaknesses. We're not, we don't have an ego, uh, you know, as founders. We're like, okay, we know that we need help here. And that's, that's what they do. Um, but then it's, it's important when you grow, and specifically, I think in our size, it's important to remain nimble. I think, you know, that, that that's startup spark that helps you move mountains sometimes, um, uh, you know, that, that large companies struggle with because it's full of processes and it's difficult mm -hmm. to, make, to, 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 to make change happen. Um, I think it, it's, it's a constant battle right now to make sure that this stays. Um, and lucky enough, one of the co-founders, what he's good at is, is innovation. Um, so we really trying, you know, despite having all those new processes, you know, on the side where we professionalize the company, that he remains in a mindset where he can innovate and, and remain nimble so that we can have that startup feeling. Because I think that's, that's what you don't want to lose when you grow, because that's what we've been good at. Um, and, and, and yeah, so that's, like that. that's, that's, that's how we do it. No, I, I like the tennis analogy. As a tennis player, I could relate. Oh, there you go. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um, <laughs> at, uh, is there any pressure on you to have an IPO in your roadmap from your investors? Has, I mean, has there ever been talked about or discussed? Like, is there... I mean, they, I mean, yeah, the, uh, they don't put pressure on us for an IPO. I think we put pressure ourselves for for something like this, um, in a sense that you know we are we, maybe we're old school and you know those many many companies right now don't necessarily think about IPO. They, they prefer to remain private. Um, but we always dreamed, you know, like a, a big a big milestone will definitely to ring the bell um, of an exchange, and and I think that's definitely something we would like to do in the future. Um, we we're not ready in terms of, you know, like the, the company itself, you know, like who, who we are as a company. We think we have the revenues, we have the growth. We could, we could actually go there. And right now it's an amazing time to IPO. <laughs> um, but, um, but I don't think we would be ready in terms of um, compliance and, you know, like all those things that you, for regulators that you need to, to, to have, you know, in terms of, again, we talked, we touched on this, but, you know, like just well, what are you going to, revenue is going to be in the future and all this. I think that this is definitely something, predictability that we are, that we are working on right now. So there's still a process uh, that we have to go through 
for us to be to be really ready for this. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Has has anybody? Um, I mean, you, I'm sure you're growing your network. You're getting a lot of advice from other peers and uh, people in your network. But um, have uh, have anybody who has anybody given you any good advice that you're considering about um, their own experiences of going through a private to an IPO? Is there anything that you're like, okay, I should, you know, that's good to know. I should really keep that in mind when I'm going through the process. Has anything like that come out yet? I think it's something that we're experiencing right now, you know, like, uh, you know, starting to ask questions a lot. Uh, one thing we thought is that maybe an IPO is in just another, another round of, you know, raise, but the reality is everyone tells me that, you know, lose all your hair, you know, like when, uh, when, uh, when there's going to be a round of financing because uh, an IPO, because it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, from A to Z, from like everyone works like a lot for for this, and, and and your life changes. It's not only when you reach IPO, but it's also like the, 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 what comes after and the pressure that is there after. It's it's a different world, and I think in a sense people want to 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 prepare mentally in a sense that it's not going to be easy. Um, it's it's a it's it's a lot easier when you're private, and that's what we keep on hearing. Um, as opposed to being a, a public company, but um, besides this, right now it's really about understanding what you know, like a bit more. How does this process work? How do analysts think about you know, like about companies? Um, how do they price them? How do they how do they ask questions? What's in their mind? What's important to them? Um, I think right now we're going on to, in, on the, this process. You know, like really understand what needs to be done uh, in order for us to have in the future a great IPO. Right, right. Okay. I'm going to go back to something that I was just thinking about. Um, with your partners, you have, you know, three, three, uh, three co-CEOs in a way. I'm, 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 uh, I'm curious to know when you, when you're planning your kind of budgets uh, now, like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that one of your partners is really focused on innovation. Uh, you're focused, I know, on sales and, and, and growth, right? Um, how do you kind of allocate spend across different initiatives um is there like you put together um a budget you you presented between each other between the three of you and you kind of say okay yeah let's do that let's do this let's do that um i'm, I'm curious how that dynamic works i mean from a from a budgeting standpoint because uh, innovation well, i know is like yeah. a big thing right so yeah yeah so i think whenever I mean, we trust each other. Like one takes care of mostly all of European uh, EMEA operations in terms of sales. I'm more, I'm more um, sales in North America. I like the industry, so I like to talk about like you know like B2B product and things like this uh, in terms of innovation. And the other one is really the, the original IT guy, so like the innovation guy who thinks about product on the B2C front. Um, and I think that what's important here is that we 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 when we 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 always been profitable. So, uh, and we never really had to budget because, you know, we didn't have- You're profitable. Um, yeah, we're profitable in the sense that we were, and, and we know we have, we have live dashboards where we see our P&L live um, because it's a pay-per-click business space, right? We buy a lot of traffic, we sell a lot of traffic. So we, we, we sort of, we see all of this live and uh, historically we've been very good with numbers, but not very good at budgeting. Um, that's something that is actually changing right now, but it is true that, uh, I think it's just that we trust each other and that, you know, every, every, every single person, every single, uh, I mean, the three of us, we, we know what we have to do 
we trust each other and as, as long as there's no abuse in terms of spam we don't we don't go into each other's neck you know some I'm, i would say i'm more sometimes of a of a of a of a micromanager in terms of numbers making sure that things are good i think the other one too and you know like what we say is listen this is my area below this number of expense you know don't even don't even talk to me you know like, let me do my thing and trust me <laughs> and and, 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 it, and, it, and it, fair enough you know and it works and it works <laughs> uh, 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 i like that it's good no i mean that's uh, if it works it works that's great so, so, so lucas i wanted to ask you some a, a personal question i mean you've gone through now a lot of different experiences in your life what is something that you would advise a 30 or a 30 year old self of, of your own with everything that you know now what would you go back in time and tell that person yeah and the good thing is it's only seven years ago so you know <laughs> <laughs> now we know how old you are <laughs> no i think uh I think that it's, it's, you know, I, I used to play, um, you know, the bit of background, I used to play table tennis at, uh, like I used to play for the Swiss national team. I used to travel all around, you oh, know, wow. and so, you know, when you, when you, when you play sports, um, no matter what sport and, and if you play at some, you know, some level where you have to train a lot, um, it's, it's a lot about the goal and not about the journey necessarily, right? Because you have to make sacrifices. And I think that's why also, sport athletes, uh, athletes in general have a lot of grit and a, and a great at business. Um, but, you know, it, it, when it becomes too much about the goal and less about the journey, I think it can create um, moments of, you know, anxiety and unhappiness, you know, because obviously not everything is going to be rosy. But when, and, and I think it's, I would say, try to, I think it, it, it's kind of a, it's great, but it's also a curse, right? That you're also about goals and goals and the end goal. We want to be there. We want to be there because it actually motivates people, motivates the troops that, you know, that there is a vision, there is a clear goal of what we have to go. Um, but the reality is that I, w- I wish I could, I would have been a bit more, you know, um, more relaxed in a sense that, you know, like also try to enjoy the journey a bit more. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but like I wish I would have enjoyed it a, a, a lot more and cherish those moments that, you know, when, when something good happens, you know, say I, I have too much of the sports mentality that when you win a competition, you're really thinking about the next competition. You don't take the time necessarily many times to just like enjoy that moment. Um, and, and I think that, I think celebrating good moments um, uh, and, and, and look back and, and, and just enjoy it, enjoy the moment uh, uh, is very precious. Okay, okay um that's great uh, i love that idea of, of small wins and and cherishing those opportunities as well um last question you, you kind of touched upon this already uh but i wanted to maybe see if there's something else i could i could get out of you <laughs> uh, you you mentioned you mentioned before when we had a chance to to chat about that once you have more money and i know you're in a good position that you're profitable and like um you know you're you're more um, open to kind of different spends and things like that. But you said that once you kind of have more money, you start thinking faster and trying lots of new things and, and making actually like a lot of mistakes maybe along the way. Um, What was anything that you did personally towards making sure that you aren't burning through cash too quickly and making Mm -hmm. the same mistakes again? Yeah, I think we, we actually had the other problem around in the sense that when we raise money, I think like if we could have just put the money in a, 
in a interest account <laughs> in, a fixed, in a fixed income and would have done it yeah <laughs> so we have the reverse problem where our actually investors are like guys spend a bit more you know like don't 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 be scared you know like try things you know and, uh, and i think it really comes from our dna we're not this traditional startup that got a lot of funding and um for a great idea and that they need to burn to gain um a market share um, we, it took us a long time. It was difficult to raise money the, the first time. Uh, we said we don't want to go back to to a, to a, to work for a, you know like to a, in, a, in a big company. Like we don't want to go busted basically. So we made sure to remain profitable ever since. So I think we're extremely scared um, in, in 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 a way and very very you know uh, that we, we we're trying to be really careful with uh with uh, with our money here. So um, we. We definitely right now what we see is that the more people that we that we that we hire, obviously we ne- we need to let them make their mistakes, and that's sometimes a bit difficult um, because you know you you, you 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 sometimes you think you know and because you and you know it because you've been through it and you you've done these mistakes, but like we know that um, if you when you have hire people and you want to trust them, you need to let them make mistakes so that you can learn, um, yeah. and sometimes that costly mistakes mm-hmm. and and you burn cash. Um, so it's it's always a, a balance, but like I, I I can confidently say that we never burn cash, you know, like crazy. So whenever we we test something, um, we 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 make sure that you know it's it's it, we, it's not too much money. And I think being in in a in a, in a country like Canada is great um, because you can actually test for very cheap in Canada, you know, I, yeah, you, you can, and it's a very similar demography as the US uh, and similar habits in terms of consumption. Uh, and and you, we are able to just for, the, for a fraction of the cost, test an entire country. And if it doesn't work, um, you know, we can, we, 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 we stop there. So we, we try to be very conscious. We never start testing in huge markets, um, we test in smaller markets and then we, and then we grow. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's definitely something that is in our mind. Like we we can't we can't afford to uh, to uh, to burn cash. That's not in our DNA. No, that's very interesting. And I think um, it's always a tough balance in terms of giving people the autonomy, the freedom to go make the mistakes, and like at what cost, right? As a as a business, but you kind of have to do it, right? And in, in a way, because they got to they everybody has to learn if they don't know if they don't know what happens when they do it. So no, I appreciate. I, Appreciate the authenticity, Lucas, um, and uh, all your answers. So um, it was amazing having you on our show, Lucas. Uh, it, you know, I really appreciate your time and everything. So thank you so much for giving us the opportunity. Uh, thank you very much for having me, guys. It's uh, it's been really a, a great time here. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so uh, for everybody who's listening, uh, this was another off the record podcast episode. Uh, the goal of the podcast uh, is to build a community of founders and VCs who can share their wisdom about how to build how to build better businesses.